you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. Yo, it is another episode of Open Bar Talk, one of the greatest podcasts ever about the bartending life. We are on episode 57. Wherever you find your podcast is where you find this show. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the platforms, that is where you can find Open Bar Talk. Openbartalk at gmail.com is another good way to get a hold of the show. If you have any uh, questions, comments. I just want to say I really love this podcast. I We're definitely here to read those and want to be a part of it. And also another thing too, when you email, send us your what were you drinkings. These are the screenshots that you may have in your life that if you'd love for our expert bartenders to break down what you think they were drinking, do it. Email it. Now, you're wondering who this is. I will tell you. I am Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com and all social media. I'm at Jim Search. Also, I forgot to mention, uh, follow this show at uh, Open Bar Talk on Instagram. So there it is, and there you have it. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to introduce our guest for this week. I'm very excited to uh, hear this dude's story. Uh, you know, one of my really good friends and homies, Ralph was like, you have to talk to this guy. He's got the approach to the world of bartending is something that he's like, I've never heard before. And you definitely need to get in touch with him. So I said, you know what? I trust you, Ralph. You've got a good eye and a good ear talent to get on the show. So without further ado, Mark Smolinski, how are you, my friend? What's going on? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well, man. Uh, You know, just uh, trying to survive our COVID dreams. You know what I mean? That's all uh, you got to do. If you can make it through the day, that's all you got to do. Just and then hope- today, you took a shower and you gotten back in bed. And that's a victory. <laughs> At this point, right? Uh, I would have to say that. And if you had, if you had a drink or two along the way, that's okay too. <laughs> Double victory. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the reframing that we have to do to, to get yes. there. So yeah, you know what? I'm again, I'm really excited to have you on here, my friend. Uh, you know, Ralph has spoken very highly of you. So I was like, you know what, let's do this. Uh, he's a wonderful person. Yeah. Shout out to uh, big money, Ralph, man. He yeah. is a, a two time, uh, guest here, really good friend of the show and friend in real life. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to make sure he hears this. So let's talk about it. Uh, Tell us a little bit how you got into the world of bartending. What was uh, what was your first experience? I drank my way in, probably as most bartenders <laughs> do. Um, I was a regular uh, around the corner from where I live uh, okay. here at in Brooklyn. Uh, the, the now forever closed Pacific Standard. Um, a little bit of like a, my heart died yesterday when I got out of a cab, and they put the uh, the wood paneling up, and they may either be destroying the building that it's in or uh, completely tearing it apart, but who knows? So a little part of me died after the, you know, that, that was, yeah. So, yeah. That's um, a, uh, it's a great venue. I mean, you know, I've definitely done some really great stand up shows over there over the years. So yeah. rest in peace. Um, but so, love there, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. so you drank your way in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was working, um, at a job I did not like and I decided to quit and to, um, 
try my chances uh, acting in stunt work and and get into the industry. And mm-hmm. um, I just quit my job without a plan lined up. And I was having a beer at the bar one night, and it all came together. Uh, people just kind of rallied around it, and before I knew it, I was bar backing at the Pacific Standard on weeknights, or week not not weeknights, but on the weekends. Okay. Um, for about six months, I was bar backing um, under two amazing bartenders. And we would just uh, do our do our thing, and it was uh, wonderful, you know. And so before I knew it, um, the bar backing turned into a, a first shift, and then that first shift turned into a second shift, and then mm-hmm. before I knew it, six years had gone by. And so, yeah. Now, so let me ask you: when you uh, when you jumped in, and you were like, you know what, I don't, I'm, I'm quitting my job. I'm gonna, you know, go after my dream. And then got into the world of bartending. Was bartending that other thing you wanted to do, or was this just kind of fell no, into fell into your lap? Bar, bar, uh, most of my jobs have fallen into my lap over the years, but uh, mm-hmm. bartending was not like I want to bartend. Uh, it was I need to pay my rent, and if I want to still live in New York City, I got to do something. I can't just bum around on nothing, right? So I got to pay. I got bills to pay. I got shit. I got to live life. Life to live. You know, like mm-hmm. you got to pay the rent. So, so, so then, all right. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what the first kind of, uh, you know, shifts felt like when you got into bartending. Do you remember like, you know, were you nervous? Like, was like, were you like, I got this. I don't, you know, it took me a minute to figure out what it was, but I remember the first few times I stepped behind a bar Mm-hmm. And it took me a little bit to figure out what it was. And unfortunately, it went away. Was this surge of adrenaline that I got when I stepped behind the bar for the first few times. Interesting. You know, it, was like a, it was a, like a, oh, this feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it felt right. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I could be back here. I could be doing this for a minute. And just, this could be a way to pay the bills and just sort of live my life that I'm going through right now. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's interesting to hear that, like the the adrenaline surge, right? Just in that, I guess what I'm thinking from where I'm sitting, rather, is like, you know, when you think of adrenaline, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, mountain biking downhill, or you know, just some like crazy physical activity. But then getting behind the bar was that was that surge. Was it like meeting people for the first time, like? meeting stranger was the rush of like turning the drinks over quick like how was that how did that fall into you uh i don't know about that i don't necessarily think that i don't honestly i couldn't pinpoint it if if i could if Mm -hmm. i could i mean i i'm just happy that i was able to even identify that that was the like emotion i was having or that was the that was the sensation that i was having um so all i know is like for the first like few months like i would just have the surge of adrenaline like oh this is this is great like i want you know right right it was like a big pick-me-up and uh i I honestly i couldn't tell you where or what it came from okay so all right well listen uh let's talk i want to talk a little bit about uh you know this kind of where we are with like so we've got the origin story right how you you fell it you fell in now what are some of those moments, right? Because you spent six years behind the bar. Now you stayed, you were at Pacific Standard for all six years? Yes. I okay. no longer bartend, but yes. That's right, right, right. Okay. Six years I was always at Pacific Standard, yes. Now, uh, so let's talk a little bit about those 
crazy moments. Cause like, I know that neighborhood a little bit, you know, obviously my homie Ralph's over at fourth Avenue pub, not too far from there. So like I'm familiar with that neighborhood and that shit gets fucking wild over there. So I'm very interested to hear like, what are those moments where just like, I cannot believe I'm watching this happen in front of me. Fourth Avenue is got a life of its own and you can't, um, operate a business, let alone a bar on Fourth Avenue, without like understanding that the character of Fourth Avenue is going to play a part in your business no matter what you do, and you have no choice about it. And so, right. when you're working on Fourth Avenue, specifically, you're working at a bar that closes late night. Uh, you're gonna get a cast of characters that come through, and how do you negotiate that? How do you see w- ahead of the game? See what's going mm-hmm. on, and, and you know who and what people are coming from and where they're coming from and why. And so honestly, like you, you can, like uh, a teacher of mine always said, like any, take any person, any given day, and they've all got a story to tell. And that story is epic. Every individual has got an epic story to tell. And so bartending on fourth Avenue, people were raw like that. They would come in and just bring it all right in the door with you. And boom, it's yours to deal with now. Now, so, you know, tell us a little bit, like, can you be a little more specific? Like, was there some characters that you're like, I've never met this person before in my life? Like, Oh, well, you know, when you're bartending behind the bar at 4th Ave or in, in, in the Pacific Standard, anywhere on 4th Avenue, uh, you know what, like, the person is coming into a bar for the second they get, like, three steps in. And so, like, you got your, you got your people out having a great night. They're partying. You know what they're about. They're, they're going to be drunk and they're going to have fun, whatever, but they're going to leave, you know, then you get mm-hmm. your lonely people. Then you've got your, 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 your kind of like little special people who are, have had a little tougher of a life. Maybe they're, you know, in between housing and they're also, you know, struggling with addiction or things like that. And so you're going to just get all types of people. And like one, one of like the, funniest craziest stories was one night after a shift of mine i was working daytime that time was uh <laughs> it's the the damnedest thing it involves a clown so you know if there's a trigger warning for any <laughs> clown people out there okay um, i was sitting next to the owner of the bar after a pub quiz and this guy walks in he's like leaving and he's drunk and he wants to bring his glass with him this is you know in the before times where sure. you pick up beverage outside because the bar gets fined and the, you know so he walks out with his beverage and he's just going to take it walk down the road with him like he's in las vegas or something right. the owner is like no he's sober we just finished pub quiz he's walking out the door and he's like i want my glass back and i was like oh man you can't go ask that guy for his glass back he's already around the corner just let him go so i walk out because we do have our we had each other's backs at that bar we all regardless we had each other's backs at that bar and so i was like all right i'm gonna stand out front and if it gets weird i'm in you know sure sure this, this guy comes to the owner and the owner's you know asking for the glass back and the guy's giving him some shit and then i see the guy push the owner shit the, yeah push the owner on the corner of fourth Ave. just and he and knew I, he was the owner like no i don't think he knew or you know, okay the guy was like i it's my that's my glass i bought it give me the glass back right and that's when i just went into like because i was finishing my shift i was having my shift drink so i might have been a little loosey-goosey at that time and okay. uh i i just i get defensive i get protective and so um the guy's lipping off and i go charging in the guy's like and right as i get about halfway there the guy's like if i can't have this glass then nobody can and he just shatters it on the ground <laughs> <laughs> this is around the corner not even in the bar 
And so I go charging and I just put myself in between the owner and the guy. And I'm just giving this guy a look. Right. Right. And I'm like stone cold staring right at him. And okay. the, the guy's like, you know, looking at me and he's like, do you want to go, bro? Come on, bro, bro. And he's backing up and he's backing up and I'm just standing still. And he's okay. just giving me this like, let's fight, bro. But he keeps backing up. And as long as he's backing up, I'm not budging. So I sure, sure. stone cold, just, and just look him dead in the eyes. And he's still doing this. Like, bro, let's fight. Let's fight, bro. And he gets a little like closer or whatever. And then out of nowhere, a guy in a fully formed clown costume comes <laughs> walking up to try and break up the fight <laughs> extended out of nowhere in a full clown costume to try and break up the fight and i was like this is <laughs> you can't you can't write that it doesn't make any sense you know yeah well it so, sounds like like a mad libs of like life right yes. like and then yes. a insert yes. profession clown showed up and 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 de-escalated the fight and to be honest i don't honestly remember seeing the clown because i was so angry right so, yeah i was in i was in turn you know that moment in terminator where you see like terminate don't terminate you know yes yeah, i was yeah, yeah. in terminate mode and this guy was on my list and i was like if this guy moves towards me i will terminate him and um then my friend came up and he's like mark 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 and i looked at my friend i was like don't terminate look back at this guy he said terminate and i was like no <laughs> But I, I honestly completely missed the clown. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't remember the clown. Which is impressive. I mean, because again, a fully dressed clown on Fourth Avenue just. At 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Now, so I guess my question is, is yeah, exactly. And again, like yeah. we're fitting in like it's the con. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, 11 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Now, what uh, when he went to break up the fight? Like, how did he do? I mean, was he like, "Hey, bro"? Like, what was? Do you remember his like? I don't. I don't remember that. All I know is that like a bunch of people. Because when I bolted, because everyone was in in the bar looking out the windows, and right. like, I was watching John, and then you know I was being watched by everyone else because we're we've got each other's backs, and sure, when they sure. saw me disappear in a very rushed fashion. They also then moved up to my position and just sure. sat there and waited. And once they realized it was needing more attention, then they also then came in. And so mm-hmm. it was like a instead of like escalating where we all pour out of the bar at the same time, we kind of slowly play our role, which is like, no, for now, you sit and you watch. You just watch and you see right. what happens next. And then if you need to put yourself into there, you do. But until then, you just watch. Which is... I mean, I, first of all, I want to say a very uh, uh, systematic and like clockwork and how, you know, efficient, I guess, is the word. I'm yeah, it was for. unspoken. We just we just we could look mm-hmm. at each other and knew what the play call was. Which, I mean, I feel like even within knowing all the play calls, uh, does anyone anticipate a clown uh, showing? <laughs> no, no. I feel like that's no one. No one predicts that. How do you? Yeah. Now, so, well, let me ask you, did that, did the guy ever come back or was he? I don't believe so. No. I mean, generally speaking, when you got someone mouthing off, if they came back, it's because they left something important to them there. And it was usually a credit card or a cell phone or like a nice piece of clothing that they wanted back. Or dignity. Dignity is also. No, dignity. Well, you know what? Honestly, a few of our regulars came back looking for dignity and got it. So yeah, I guess after, (laughs) after their first visit, when they lost (laughs) it. Maybe even myself included a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You come back looking for your dignity, and uh, then 
you know, you either you either get the two weeks where you can't come back, or you uh, apologize and uh, it's all forgiven. You know, it just depends on uh, who you yeah. are and what you did. I guess. Have you so have you ever issued the two week ban on someone? I've never done the two week ban on anybody. No. Okay. Um, uh, not that I recall. There might be a few people out there that have discrepancies, but <laughs> may vary, right? Right, right. I mean, so, hi- history is uh, relative, right? Yes. As, um, as I, I've definitely 86 some people, but other than that, yeah, no. So, all right, well, let's talk about that. Like, do you have some of those moments of, like, how, like what are those stick up, standout moments of, uh, of, of 86ing someone? The first time I ever kicked anybody out of the bar um, was a Pearl Jam concert. Okay, at the Barclays Center? Barclays had just opened. We didn't know what was going on with it, and we were ill-prepared. And on top of that, the owner of the bar had just gotten married, and of course, we were all invited. Sure. So we were out drinking all day and having a good wedding and enjoying ourselves, and we didn't realize the, the amount of foot traffic that was occurring at the bar. And mm. so we came back because the after party for the wedding was going to be at the bar, of course, because it's the owner of the bar and all the bartenders are invited. So, of course, what do you do? You go to the place where you all hang out for the entire the entirety that you've known everybody. And we came back to a fully packed wall-to-wall, shoulder-to-shoulder bar. And the poor guy bartending behind the bar was doing his best, but he was not um, – he was a friend of ours. He wasn't a bartender there. He was just someone we threw in there be like, ah, you can do it. It'll be fine. Right, right. And he had the thousand-yard stare. He had no <laughs> glassware behind the bar. He had oh. no cash in the drawer. Uh, he had it was gone. It, not that it was gone, but like he just there was no there was no singles. There was no fives. There's no oh, change. There right, was right. Twenties, nothing. Oh Jesus! And he had a glass in his hand, and he was refilling uh, beers for people who had a tab open. <laughs> so if you're paying cash, it's like I can't help you. Oh my god! Have your glass with you, <laughs> and he was doing his best. <laughs> so and it's then, like a frat party. Oh my god, this poor guy, and I will love him forever for this. And so he's just like this amazing guy trying to do his best, and he just had to stare. And I'll never forget me and this other uh, bartender. She was amazing at the time, and we came in, and her and I, with the help of two other friends of ours that were friends of the bar, who were there already trying to help. Um, trying to write the ship uh we're just like all right so me and a friend of our my, my other coworker, we went in there and basically ready the ship as best we could i told the bartender who was working like don't talk to anybody don't look anybody <laughs> pick up glasses and wash them and that's all you have to do from here on out right like, yeah i can do that i was like cool say nothing to nobody cool i've got it me and my coworker, we crushed it we went back and forth boom 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 and then before i knew it like the other two people that were helping us, uh, friends of the bars, and, you know, just started collecting glassware. And we tried to write the ship as best we could, and we crushed it that night. But there was two people at the end of the bar that were doing the thing uh, that bartenders hate. When, when it's that packed, you don't really have a list. A bartender always has, like, a list of who's next in their head. Like, sure. who's next, and that person, then this person, and that person. And it's not in, like, everyone lining up like a, you know, like a, a kitchen. Soup. Yeah, soup line. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a random order you've got in your head, and hopefully it's accurate. And sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right. But when it's that busy, there's no order. And so these two guys at the end of the bar were kind of doing this, like, nah, I want to be next. I want to be next. And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, you know what? I don't have time for you guys. So I went, who's next? And both of them went, hmm. And I was like, 
okay. So I walked away and I served like three other people. And then I finally made it back to the bar and I was like, so who's next? And I was like, you guys clearly don't get what's going on here. I'll be right back. And I served like three or four other people. And I came, right. Have you finally figured out who's next? And they both went, meh. And I said, all right, both of you get out. I don't want your money. And they're like, we got a whole bunch of people. I was like, well, then go tell them you can't drink here because you got to go somewhere else. And they're like, but we're all drinking here. I was like, I don't care. I'm not serving you or you. You're being nice to me, but you're being shitty to each other. So I don't want to deal with it. Both of you out. Oh, my God. Like, how? I don't. terrible. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's such like a, I don't even know how to describe that. Like. Just someone order a fucking drink. Yeah, just say, okay, you can be next, and then I'll get you next. And then the bartender will be like, oh, right, you're next. You'll know. But they just were being. So I was like, fine, I don't have time for this. All of you out. And they had like 10 people left, which actually helped the bar because we're already wall to wall. We didn't have a doorman. It was just chaos. So right. And so I'll never forget. They all left, and they're all looking at me like, meh. And I was like, cool. And um, yeah. I was dressed to the nines because we came from a wedding wearing a tie and everything. And like, I'll never forget, this girl comes back in and she's like way, way, way far back. And she's looking at me like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. So I'm like, all right, what does she want? And then she just goes. <laughs> and I had, a, I had enough of me from the yeah. wedding and I'm busy and I'm pissed and I, did a, I made a mistake. And I, she ran out the door and I followed her. You, yo, you can't. <laughs> Mark. This is even better. I, it's, I made a mistake, and I, I'll never – I will never. I made a mistake. I've made a yeah. lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, some behind the bar, many behind the bar, many on the other side, more on the other side of the bar. But I've made right. mistakes in my life. I'm a human being. Um, and I followed her out, but this it's so good. Uh, she got about a half uh, a, like a, a dress away, so like next to like the fire hydrant out there. Okay. She said, hey, she turns around and like, fuck you. <laughs> And go back to wherever it is you fucking came from. And that's what I said to her. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. She was, she was like some, you know, person here for the Pearl Jam concert, Bridge and Tunnel, who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Or right. whatever. And it was, I said that just as the entire wedding party and wedding and parents of the people getting married were all walking into the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned to them and I said, ah, wedding party, welcome. <laughs> that's fucking yeah, funny like foot in my mouth like all the way like i had the boot like strings coming out from my ass you know like i was like oh jesus <laughs> like and don't fucking forget to tell your friends to eat shit yeah. welcome, welcome to pacific standard, welcome to pacific standard. <laughs> come on in we're really excited to have you here you know that that was the first time i kicked someone out of the bar Oh my goodness. Which yeah. again, that's such like a, you, you hear, you know, stories of people getting kicked out cause they're being rude or they're, you know, they're, they're doing something to someone else. Right. That's yeah. outside of their circle. Like yes. some guys harassing a girl, some guys trying to fight someone, you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Um, but to just like not order, like they that is the first. But like they just didn't get it. They were like, "I'm gonna be super nice to the bartender, so I'll get next." And I was like, "You're just look at your fellow person next to you. Realize that they're also a human being. Look around the room. Realize how busy it is, and figure out how everyone can help each other and oh go from goodness. there." Holy Christmas, man! Yeah, that yeah, is. It was a uh, entertaining night. We we broke a uh, broke a record number as far as like our 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 business was concerned. So we made a lot of money that night. And I cannot complain. So. There's that as well. 
Well, that, well the fallout from it was uh, the owner of the bar, his dad um, had made a comment to him about me. And I was like, oh. And I heard about this later. And I was like, oh, what do you say? And he said, well, well you, you're, your bartenders sometimes have a very interesting way of dealing with customers. And I'll, I'll, I've, I love the owner of the bar for this. For the, for the life of me, he turned to his dad and said, so if Mark had to say what Mark had to say to him, then basically that's what had to be said to that person. So he had my back on it, even against his own father, who witnessed the, 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 the insanity at the door right there. So. Which, you know, salute, salute, to, salute to that owner, man. You yeah. know, I, uh, I have to say, and I was, I was talking with Ralph about this at some point of just like how, you know, in the bar industry, you definitely meet some owners who are a little unscrupulous. So it's refreshing to hear the ones that support and have the uh have their have their owners uh or have their staffs back you it's know? a it's a very interesting industry because the the weird thing about it and the dark side of it is it's the side you don't really see as a patron is that the addiction level and the problems that occur in this industry is so far buried beyond like what you can possibly imagine because everyone's out for a good time and you're basically to coin like a simpsons episode or whatever is spuds mckenzie or i don't know if that's you know you're, you're the party guy and you don't realize just how much the party guy has to suffer to do the party guy thing all the time and right kind of like addiction the amount of problems people can really occur and like chalk up to working in this industry is something that's kind of neglected a lot and mm-hmm. and so the struggles that people go through are are difficult when you work in this industry and when you find a handful of owners that have empathy uh, right. that um, it really makes a big difference. I, I, I couldn't, I could not agree more. I, I really couldn't. Yeah. Um, so, so you said, um, so you, uh, so you were bartending for six years at Pacific standard. What was like, do you remember some of the shifts towards the end of your career? Like, do you re- like, what was, what was that like? Was there any moments well, there? Yeah. The bar was a, it was interesting. Like some of this just towards the end. That's a good question. Like it was, it was just kind of like a, a wild West world. Like of, we don't really know what's going to happen. I guess we know it's closing, but like mm-hmm. the bar was closing regardless and right. it was time. And so like, as all things are temporary, it, this temporariness was also another factor. And so, um, yeah, there was a moment in time where I'd uh, to to pick which like if I was going to continue bartending till the end or not, and I I did stop bartending a little bit early than before the bar closed, but like a few mm-hmm. months because I had a, a job lined up and I was going to you know go do that. But um, it was just like a, a condolence, like a sadness, you know that the, the right. bar was that particular bar was a special thing, and I I've never been in another bar in the entire world that's been like it because there was love in that building and that it showed. And people would radiate to it. And no matter who you are or what level of understanding you are in this world, you recognize what it is when someone puts love into something. Oh, 100%. And And that bar had love being put into it for a long time. And I think, you know, there is something to that. And also with like the bar community is how much of like a gathering and meeting place a bar is and how much of a community is built Mm -hmm around the bar and the different uh, personalities and different uh, uh, characters that come in that, you know, really make a bar what it is. Absolutely. Uh, now, do you have any, uh, do you have any of those memorable regulars that would stop in that you were like, you know, this is one of these people I've never seen, like just 
who is this person type of vibe. Oh, I mean, I can almost remember like every regular that became a friend because you, you sit there and you're doing it and then you see them come in for the first time. And like, sometimes you remember, sometimes you don't know when their first time was. And sure. I, I myself was the regular there that walked in there for the first time. And the way that I became like a regular there was I was meeting my current roommate, not my current, my roommate at the time for picking up my keys to the apartment that I'm, I'm living in. And I met there and I, I came from brunch. So I had a few in me and uh, one of the bartenders who became a coworker and a friend after that, um, <laughs> he called a, he called BS on me because I, I, I was drunk and I said that it was the anniversary of when I got my Eagle Scout. <laughs> what? And he said, he looked at me dead in the eyes and he put his finger out and he went, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I went right into my pocket and I pulled out my card because, you know, I've since lost the card, but uh, Eagle Scouts typically carry a little card around them that has their date and whatever and their name. Right. And I said, what does that get me? And he went, I guess at least a free beer. So the first beer I had was a free beer on the bartender at the bar because he called bullshit on me and he realized he was wrong. And then <laughs> here we are. That's funny, man. Yeah. That's, now, did you ever, so have you ever been in that position where as a bartender, you're like, all right, you're full of shit. Like, did you, were you ever there when like someone, you're like, all right, you're not telling the truth. Oh, constantly. But it depends on whether or not you want to involve yourself or not. I mean, at a certain mm-hmm. level of like bartending, you you either want to be emotionally invested in what's going on on the other side of the bar, or you don't. And right. so, for me, because we had a lot of a community there, when it was a friend having a problem, or it was someone I cared about that was doing something or whatever, I would get emotionally invested, and that was sometimes a great thing, and honestly, I'll, that was sometimes a bad thing, and it was a detriment to maybe some of those relationships. But gotcha. um, regardless, I was emotionally invested in those relationships. When it comes to a stranger walking in the bar and trying to bring that baggage in and do that whole thing and then like rope a dope you into their life, right? You gotta not. You gotta be like a doctor and be like, uh, "This is the patient. I'm dealing with the patient right now. I've administered, you know, five <laughs> cc's of beer to them and two cc's of whiskey, and here we are now. I'm gonna now send them home." And so that that's the level of like interaction you kind of want to have with some people because you need that emotional barrier. Sure, sure. If everybody that walks in the door is your best friend. Like you're going to have a rough shift, you know? Yeah. And you can only, and you know, you spread yourself too thin. Yeah. Right. There's an emo- there's a, a very high intensity of emotional work that mm-hmm. comes into it when it comes to like what people are bringing to it and what you have to bring to it too. Yeah. No, you're, I mean, you know, again, like having done this show now 57 times, you know, to, to talk to people, to talk to the bartenders that have been here and hear their level of investment and engagement, you know, is it's, there's only so much in the tank. Yeah. You know, there's so only so much an individual can get away with. And you never know what that bartender is dealing with too, because they're also a human being. They're also living your life. You never know what, where, or how they got there and why they're, what they're doing that day. And mm-hmm. you come in and then all of a sudden it's all about you as the patron and you don't know. And maybe that bartender has got a sour ass attitude. Sure. But like, did they get your, your drink on time? Like, did, you know, like what, what, what do you want from them? So. Right. Now, listen, Ralph told me, and I wanted to check with you. He told me you have a very unique way of, uh, of misleading a customer who may uh, not know your by name. Like you may use an alias. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell, tell us a little bit about that strategy. Cause I, I found it to be very interesting. Ah, uh, yes. Um, my alias is Sam. 
Okay. And so I picked up that name for a, a lot of different other jobs I do. And um, when uh, a customer comes in, you, you kind of know when they walk in the door what they're all about. But sometimes they they trip you up. They walk mm-hmm. in and then they sit down and they're ready to order a drink. And you're like, oh, okay, that guy threw me off a little bit. But there's still like a free strike component. So like, all right, what questions are they going to ask me? What do they want? And when they start asking you what your name is, that's always a red flag. Boom. No, especially if they haven't ordered a beverage yet or they don't even know you. Even if they've had a couple of beverages and they want to know your name, always a red flag. Sure, Um, sure. It's up there with like asking where the bathroom is and what the Wi-Fi password is before you even order a beverage. Like, don't just don't do it. And so what's your name? No, name has power. And I don't want you to have any power over me. So you don't get my name. But that's a rough attitude to have when it comes to. Mm-hmm. service industry you can't be like no so um i would just go sam and they'd go okay sam and then they'd think barking sam at me the entire evening after they had a few beverages uh would get my attention and so right. the easiest way to let everyone else know who knows you already is to give them a fake name so that they all know oh that guy's an asshole not the bartender <laughs> they all know. so when this guy is barking barking sam 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 then you don't got to worry about like everything else. Like it's, it's just nice to just have that community of like, that's, that's not Sam. We all know that's not Sam, but this guy's calling him Sam. And the fact you're calling him Sam lets us know. Yes. That uh, the unspoken spoken, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a, I mean, I'm very, I was very intrigued by that philosophy and how of like crowd management and like customer engagement, you know, people come in and they think they're right. The problem is they're wrong. Even if the bartender's wrong on the, if the bartender's on that side of the bar, regardless of how wrong they are, they're going to be right. They're They're right. They've got your credit card. They've got your booze. They're going to be right, even if they're wrong. They can tell you the, the sky is orange. If you want another beverage, you've got to agree the sky is orange. That is a very totalitarian um, you know, <laughs> kind of But right. you've got to wrestle that as well. Like, how much, how much do you want to fight an uphill battle that you're going to lose no matter what you do? Yeah, and like, you know, and again, yeah, like, is this the hill you want, right? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's yeah. like... If you and, I, and that's that's the other thing though that I've always found interesting in that there are people who stay at a bar despite being told to go or <laughs> or want to stay right yeah yeah now now I'm not saying if it's like now obviously everyone has their own idiosyncrasies that they bring into a a, a, a situation but it's like and I'm not even talking about like if you're there with like 15 people. And then they're like, you got to go. And it's like, fuck, like I'm with my friend, you know, like that I could almost see. Well, but that, then that's a great way. That's a great, that's a great, what do you do in that situation? And um, mm-hmm. what you do, in my opinion, is you turn it around on the 15 people. And so if one person is drunk, you're like, are you, are you his friend? Right. You go, you, you turn it on them. And you're like, well, your friend is not well right now. And if you're really friends with him, you would take care of him. Right. Care of him means taking him home. And so if you can designate two people to get him home, the rest of you can stay. And then when he gets home, we're all good. And you make it their problem. But the person regardless has to go. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, again, I think that's a great way to, you know, kind of do the uh, self-policing, right? Because, you know, they're, in my opinion, at least, like, 
if you're in that group, they're going to listen to their friends before they listen to you in this instance, right? So you and their friends know more than you about this right now, too. So you make the friends do the dirty work. Yes, exactly. And see, like, Mark, when your book comes out, if you want to plug it here on yeah, uh, the book. Open Bar, the Open Bar Talk podcast, you know, I'm I'm happy to uh, happy to uh, promote uh, you it. You know, it's funny that you, you you frame it in that in that way because I used to frame it in like the book of one bartender in the book of another bartender who guided me through a lot of this when I first started. And without mm-hmm. those two bartenders, I wouldn't have half the knowledge or a quarter of the knowledge that I have now. And I probably wouldn't have lasted as long as I did over there without them because their, their play calls, their book, their, their dogma, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. it would depend on who I used and what the situation was. So if I needed a very aggressive, like uh, in your face, bad cop, I would use one. But if I needed a very, um, uh, Passive is not the right word, but like diplomatic, um, diplomatic, or just uh, not uh, not in your face, like conscientious. Mm-hmm. I would use the other one. And if you just you go those you use those back and forth on someone, they don't know where they stand with you, and so they can't get a read on you, and they don't know subconsciously that like they they can't put a foot down. And once they don't realize they can't put a foot anywhere with you, they can't argue with you. Right. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Like you need, you, yeah, you, I feel like you need to have that person's sort of ideology to really enge- mm-hmm. fully engage. And if they don't have it, then they can't. Like to your point, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Mark, uh, this has been a lot of fun, dude. I've, I find in it just in conversation with you, I think you have such an, a unique perspective and it's an interesting uh, look at the world of bartending. Um, so, you know, again, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us here um, at the Open Bar Talk podcast. Um, I do uh, want to move into our next segment, though, which is uh, our five questions for our guest. Uh, okay. These are the questions we ask our bartending friends past and present about the world of bartending. Now I wish I was more clever to come up with like, you know, like pop the top on question. I don't have a fun name for it. It's don't. just, it's just five questions for the guests, right? Where that's what it is. That's where we're going. So, all right. Question number one, what is the biggest misconception people have about being a bartender? That they always want to drink with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. You know, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, drinking to me at least is kind of like that sociable experience that you want to share with someone. And it's like, there's, some, I think there's that misconception that like, oh, because I'm drinking, we're having a party. And it's like, and Not. that means everyone's got to be drinking. It's like, no, right. we, I, they're still working. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, may, I may not want to drink with you. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's that, right? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'd hate to say I would. I, it's hard for me to say this out loud, but I'm pretty sure there are people who may not want to drink with me. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I know it's very hard, listeners, that you're like, is that possible, Jim? You seem like a nice enough guy to me. I bet that number is smaller than you think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's a huge crowd. Not but zero. I, yeah, it's not, <laughs> but it's definitely not zero. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I would say anywhere from one to 10. Who knows? <laughs> uh, all right. Question number two What is the biggest tip that you've received as a bartender? Like financially or, yeah. oh, 
I got a, I think, $85 tip on a $70 tab, I think, one night. Oh, wow. Negotiating, Shit. Negotiating the worst question ever. But because I negotiated it properly, I got that money. Um, it was, can you change the music? Oh, okay. And every bartender has to deal with this. And my answer to that is, I'm being paid to be a bartender. I'm not being paid to be a DJ. Right. But if you want to pay me to be a DJ, I will. Ain't, I like that. That's good. And that means, and they go, and, and there's always a follow-up question. What does that mean? I go, well, it's usually a dollar per song or <laughs> 20 bucks. I'll play whatever you want for an hour. And you give me more than that. And I'll play whatever you want the rest of the night. Wow. That's what a man I'm telling that is, but the second someone comes in and pays me more, you're SOL. Unless you want to go to a bidding war. Exactly. It's a win-win scenario for me. And I don't care about the music as long as everyone's having a good time. There it is. So well, show me the money. And then I have to say, this is again, this is why I love the show so much is that every, there's no, no answer has ever been the same to any of these questions. And this is like another, just a unique perspective on it. So question number three, and I'm sure you've got, uh, you've got this one locked. What is your pet peeve of a customer? What is the one thing? You know, I'm only going to give you one. What is the one thing that when you go to the bar, marks behind the stick, you don't do? Oh, shit. I literally wrote this down and I completely forgot what I put. Let me just look it up. Yeah, yeah, no, Take your time. I, I swear I got to write this down. It's like pet peeves. Like, I know this is going to be a pet peeve question. I can't wait. Here it is. Oh, there it is. Boom. Done. Okay. Um, opening up a credit card tab, closing a credit card tab, opening up a credit card tab, closing a credit mm. card tab, and opening up a credit card tab. Just make up your fucking mind. Are you staying or are you going? What is it going to be? Yeah. Now, now let me ask you if you, so you open it, right. And I'm just, I'm, this isn't devil's advocate. I just, I'm trying to get a a parameter around it. You open the tab, you have a drink, you close it. Are you open to it being reopened or how many reopens do you get? Got you. That all depends on how many people are in the room. Okay. So, I will always reopen a tab because, duh, it's money. Give me your right. Money. Cool. Um, so, like, after the second close and then want to reopen is when it's like, all right, this is getting annoying. Got it. But okay. if you're, like, if you're too deep or you've got a full bar or you're three deep, you get one. Mm, okay. If you fucked it up after that, then no. And I actually have a solution for that as well, which is um, especially if they've been a little bit uh, working on it that day. Um when they try to order another beverage from you, as long as you're on point with your cards and you know that they've already closed, uh, Mm -hmm. you just repeat the same question back to them in the same cadence over and over and over again. And you say, but you, but you already closed your tab. Right. Right. And then they go, can I get another vodka soda? But but you've already closed your tab. But I want another vodka soda, but you are, but you already closed your tab. (laughs) And then I, they get confused, and they're like, are we getting kicked out? And I was like, I'm not kicking you out. I'm just telling you what you know already, which is you closed your tab. Right. And that's and where they, we they, are. The confusion and frustration makes a drunk person leave. 
That is, again, very, very Sun Tzu. I like the Sun Tzu <laughs> that, the vibe that we're on right now. All right. Question number four. What is the one thing you've learned from bartending? What is, and it doesn't have to necessarily be like the bar world. It could be about life. Uh, it's vi- this is a very open-ended question, but what is the one thing that you have learned from bartending? It's to never assume. Mm, interesting. Never make an assumption about what you think is happening or what you think happened or what you think is going on. Mm-hmm. And once you once you go down that path, you make a lot of mistakes. Interesting. That is a. Uh, I mean, and I think that apply. I think that applies to a lot in life. Uh, but I just in the world of hanging in a bar, yeah, like you yeah. don't you don't ever know. In this case, we apply it. We don't know that other person's situation. We don't know. You know, you could even <laughs> be a friend, and you assume about that, and it, and it, you know. Assumptions right. about everything. And so don't make an assumption about what people did, where they were, what's going on. Either ask them about it or don't. And from there on, just keep your mouth shut, you know? Interesting. I like that. I yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Final question. Hmm. What is your favorite drink? What does Mark like to have uh, either when you're out or at home? Either either venue, what do you, what do you like to drink? I like an ice cold lager not a pilsner a lager a very Mm. basic very like something your dad used to drink kind of beer sometimes Mm. it's really cheap beer but not very i like i like a the well-rounded basic lager that is just a beer it tastes like a beer and it goes down like a beer gotcha yeah understood a nice nice summer day doesn't hurt it works in the winter. It works in it works wherever you go. And it's just it's perfect. And every bar has one, and you never have to ruffle any feathers ordering one. Just a basic lager. Tastes like a beer. I like it. I like yeah. it. Now, thank you uh, for uh, bringing us into Mark's world of, uh, of our five questions. And now we are going to get into our final segment, which is called What Were You Drinking? I can't wait. Yes, uh, I, it's gonna. This is gonna be fun. I, this is one of my. This is my favorite segment of the show. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, here's what's gonna happen. I have a very messy Facebook timeline. Okay, <laughs> so much so that when people post these things, I can only assume that they're drunk because no sober person would volunteer this information. So that being said, I'm going to read it. And you, Mark, as a bartender, having seen people drunk off a variety of substances over the years, uh, are going to diagnose what you think this person was drinking when they wrote it. Now, I also want to tell you that, of course, context is important. You can ask uh, what time of the day, because 2 a.m. is very different than 2 p.m., can also ask, you know, uh, gender also is an uh, important uh, key here. So there are there are some factors that uh, that we can uh, you can ask before you make your uh, diagnosis. So also before uh, before we jump in, I do want to say, folks, remember email us openbartalk at gmail or you can DM us at openbartalk on Instagram and send your screenshots. Send us the screenshots of what you think what people are drinking on your timeline. And we can have our bartenders help you out with that. So without further ado, Mark, I'm going to read our post for this week. Of I can't what, wait. 
what you were drinking. Here oh, we go. I can't wait. <clears throat> well, that is the third time in a month that my ex has tried to kill me. I don't know if I want her around anymore. That person is probably backing up a beer with a shot of a brown liquid of some sort. Mm, okay. They are, they are double fisting um, regardless of whether or not that individual is a male or female. I imagine if that's the third time that they tried to kill them, they're probably having something very stiff and neat and a bubbly and drink next to it. Probably a beer. I I think that's a very expert uh, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Brown liquor does often uh, beget violence um, <laughs> and, and tumultuous uh, environment. Yes. Uh, so... Well played, Mark. Uh, thank you uh, for bringing your expertise to our What Were You Drinking for this week. And again, folks, don't forget, email us at openbartalk at gmail.com or Instagram us at uh, openbartalk and send in your What Were You Drinking. Uh, so that is going to do it uh, for this week. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for hanging, man. This was such a good time. I'm really happy we got to get you on the podcast. Um, is there uh, anything you want to promote? Any like Instagram handle if people want to find you or not? Uh, I mean, there's nothing that I got to promote or I don't want people to find me either. People can find me. <laughs> find me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but I will enough. say like, you know, give everybody a break. We've had a rough year. I agree with you on that. If that's any, if that's one thing to promote from this episode, please uh, give give your bartenders, especially your bartenders, a break. Uh, they have been serving you diligently uh, throughout uh, throughout your drinking career, and also during this pandemic, they've been working hard. So please make sure you tip them; they deserve it. Um, so again, uh, thank y'all for tuning in, uh, open bar talk on Instagram, open bar talk at gmail.com, uh, rate review, subscribe, give this podcast five stars, share it with a friend, let them know they should go listen to it. Uh, it would be wonderful for you to do that. If you want to find me, uh, I'm at Jim search on all social media, jimsearchcomedy.com. And also, uh, I want to make the announcement here Folks, I just got the green light that uh, my monthly comedy show, Muddy Waters, is coming back. Uh, we're going to be at the Fulton Grand uh, in the month of July. I definitely will give you some dates when that's coming up. But know that that is happening soon. So, of course, it will be socially distanced and responsible uh, in terms of comedy. But just know that the uh, comedy show that I run is coming back um so you know of course uh thank y'all for tuning in make sure you put a water between each drink and we'll catch you on the next one peace